There's a movie that I rather enjoy called Waking Life. It was a smaller indie thing. Uh, at one point, there are four young men who are walking down a city street, and they're having this impassioned discussion about altering the very fabric of society, of revolution. They say, on the way to discovering what we love, we will find everything that we hate, everything that blocks our path to what we desire. We'll confront the familiar, live as if something actually depended on our actions to demonstrate the contrast between what life presently is and what it could be, to immerse ourselves in the oblivion of actions and know we are making it happen, to exchange love and hate, life and death, terror and, re terror and redemption, repulsions and attractions, a total denial of every kind of restraint and limitation. They talk and talk and talk. I actually edited that speech down. They speak about the importance of living out your values, embracing and believing in a better future, believing you can make a change to confront what is unjust and unholy in society. And so they continue to call for revolution and to call for freedom. But then they come upon a very old man with a long white beard wearing a hard hat who has climbed to the top of a telephone pole, and he's just clinging there, looking out blankly. One of the young men asks him, hey, old man, what are you doing up there? He looks and blinks. I'm not sure, he says. Well, do you need any help getting down, sir? He thinks about it for a moment. No, I don't think so. Then the young men walk away, and under his breath, one of them mutters, idiot. And another of them said, well, he's no worse than us. He's all action and no theory, and we are all theory and no actions. Now, there's an interesting thing about theory and discussion, because on the one hand, you certainly don't want to move without thinking, but on the other hand, just Endlessly discussing theory can lead to inaction. We have that expression, just a lot of talk. It's easy to get bogged down in theory because it's so safe. Surrounding ourselves with like-minded friends, ranting and raving about society, but we've all got a bone to pick with something that's going on, but actually nailing down a real belief is hard. Backing up that belief with an action, that can be terrifying. How do we know which action is the right one, even if we know what we believe? As Christians, we are not immune to this. We think, read, debate, study, question, pray, but sometimes we end up just as lost as when we started. Where is the Spirit leading us? How can we find out? We go to the scripture for guidance, and we look up stories of people in the Bible and wonder, well, which one am I like? There's a lot of different people in the Bible. What's my path? We know that scripture issues a call to all of us over and over, expressed in countless ways. It is the same call and the same Lord who is calling. With that in mind, let's look at our gospel lesson. And here we find our good friend Peter, 
God love him. He might be the first one to miss the boat and put his foot in his mouth, but he does come back proclaiming Christ. This lesson happens right after Jesus feeds, miraculously feeds the 5,000. He sends the disciples on ahead of him in the boat, and he stays behind to dismiss the crowds and to pray alone. But by the time he's done praying, the Bible tells us that a strong wind has picked up and rough waves have steered the boat far away onto the sea. It says that miraculous feeding happened around 6 p.m. when the first watch started. Jesus didn't get back to the boat to catch up with the disciples until the fourth watch of the night, which would have been sometime between 3 and 6 a.m., Now, we can all imagine how uneasy the disciples must have felt being caught up in that horrifying storm, beaten about by the current all alone, and wondering how on earth are they going to find Jesus again? And with that storm, you can bet that they were not sleeping. Then, all at once, they see this figure coming toward them on the sea. And so they must have seen a ghost, right? And they're terrified and screaming. This is not a time for a measured response. People can't walk on water. We know this. But right away, Jesus reassures them, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. The only response that I could imagine having to that, if I were on that boat, would be wide-eyed, stunned silence, shock, disbelief. But not our pal Peter. The storm is still raging. The disciples are looking at their friend standing on the water, and Peter burst out, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Who in their right mind would say such a thing? I would not say that thing. And I can just see the other disciples trying to make sense of this new aspect of the situation. They literally cannot believe what they're seeing or hearing. Surely this is a dream, a hallucination. It can't be real. And then startled by Peter's outburst, they have to be thinking, dude, be quiet. Just stop. What is wrong with you? Their eyes rolling, or whatever the ancient world equivalent of eyes rolling was. Maybe if they were thinking a bit more clearly, they might have wondered, what do you think you're asking him? I mean, maybe, maybe this is something that our Lord and Master can do, but not us. We're regular people. Jesus can perform miracles, not us. For heaven's sake, Peter, behave yourself. It must have felt like an eternity passed. Silence resounds. And Peter's request hangs in the air, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you. And Jesus says simply, come. And so Peter steps out of the boat. He leaves the boat. By all rational accounts, the boat is the very thing that is keeping him alive, the only thing that is keeping him afloat. A choppy sea is treacherous indeed, a complete and very dangerous unknown in the middle of the night. 
So it would follow that the boat is the thing he should cling to at all costs. Abandoning all reasonable ideas of safety and security, he stepped off the boat down to the water below. And the text tells us that once he left the boat, he actually started walking on the water. He took steps towards Jesus. And we don't know how far he got exactly, but isn't it incredible that he took any steps at all? Peter had a few brief moments of perfect trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Sadly for Peter's ego, I'm sure, the story does not end there. Uh, As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was doing all right. But then, then he noticed that strong wind. The wind of uncertainty blew hard and fierce and fast. Hesitation and distrust overtook him. Despite our best intentions, some kinds of doubt can really be crippling. Even though Jesus was right there, Peter didn't take heart anymore. He was afraid. And having taken his eyes off Jesus, he started sinking into the sea. He realized mid-miracle that what he was doing was impossible And so it became impossible. His overthinking torpedoed his ability to act, to follow his call. Sinking into the sea, Peter cries out to Jesus, Lord, save me. Jesus rescues him right away. He reaches out his hand and he catches him. As relieved as Peter was to be saved, Jesus' words must have been so hard to hear. You of little faith, why did you doubt? They get back on the boat. The storm ends and awestruck. Everyone watching worships Jesus as the Son of God. Whereas at first all the other disciples were shocked into silence, now it is Peter who has nothing to say. Why did I doubt? Writing about this gospel lesson, Dietrich Bonhoeffer challenges... Peter had to leave the ship and risk his life on the sea to learn both his own weakness and the almighty power of his Lord. If Peter had not taken that risk, he would have never learned the meaning of faith. Before he can believe the utterly impossible and ethically irresponsible situation on the waves of the sea must be displayed. The road to faith passes through obedience to the call of Jesus. Unless a definite step is demanded, the call vanishes into thin air. And if we imagine that we can follow Jesus without taking this step, we are deluding ourselves. Bonhoeffer then proclaims, Only he who who believes is obedient, and only he who is obedient believes. For Bonhoeffer, faith and obedience are unified and intimately connecting. The letter of James that we heard this morning reminds us, what good does it do anyone if you see someone naked and starving and your response is, go in peace, keep warm, eat your fill, enjoy your snacks. Theory or none, 
Once we hear Jesus' call, our faith can no longer mean sitting still and waiting. We must rise up and follow him. James continues in the words we probably know better than what we heard this morning, faith without works is dead. Without living in Christ and granting him our whole selves, we will never truly obey and we will not grow as Christians. A healthy faith inspires obedience, and obedience in turn strengthens our faith. I don't mean to sugarcoat anything. Faith can be hard. Obeying can be hard. But we should remember that we are sinners. If we wait to be perfect before we follow, we will never even put our big toe over the side of that boat. And please never say that you just don't have faith or or don't have enough faith, and that's why you can't act. Bonhoeffer charges us, if you believe, take the first step. It leads to Jesus Christ. If you don't believe, take the first step all the same, for you are bidden to take it. No one wants to know about your faith or unbelief. Your orders are to perform the act of obedience on the spot. I find that so striking. No one wants to know about your faith or unbelief. Just act. And then you will find yourself in the situation where faith becomes possible and where faith exists in the truest sense of the word. We are not called to be all theory and no action. Neither are we called to be all action and no theory. We are a part of the body of Christ universal, a family empowered to spread God's love in the smallest and largest scales. And so in your life of faith, I urge you to dream and dream big. Are there limits to God's power? Are there limits to what God can do through you, through this church, through all of us in the world? No, God be praised. Do you feel like something is missing? Is God speaking to you, nudging you towards a new ministry or project or service? Speak up. Get involved here. Engage our community. Pray long and hard. And ask God to guide your feet and heart and mind to move you closer to God's love and purpose for you and your life. No one is too young or too old, too shy or too bold to serve God. There is no action without risk, it's true, but acting for the glory of God, learning to be fearless to honor your Creator, will surely be a blessing. Amen.